Praise the Lord. Everybody's doing good tonight, you say? Amen. 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 Well, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8 tonight. Romans chapter 8, this will be part 2 of a message I began Sunday morning titled, The Legality of the Cross, The the Legal Work of the Cross. And that's what it is. It was a, a legal work that legally allows the Holy Spirit to work in our lives and will not work outside of this legal avenue. As we've heard it over the past few years uh, through the great reformer, Brother Swaggart, uh, we, 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 we have learned, we are learning, and will continue to learn the Word of God in the proper context. And, which, and this is a paramount part of what we've learned over the last several years is that the Holy Spirit works exclusively within the perimeters of your faith in the cross. He's never saved anybody. The Lord has never saved one soul that didn't come to Him through faith in the blood. He'll never save anybody that doesn't come to Him through faith in the blood. There's no, out, there's no salvation outside of Christ and His sacrificial work. Aren't you glad of that? Amen. I wrote something this morning sitting at the kitchen table I want to read to you tonight. I wrote it uh, in my studies this morning. We were arrested and charged with disobedience, and the sentence was death. We were now locked up in death, dead to God and to all of His ways and blessings. We were held there for 4,000 years in the holding tank called paradise as we awaited the trial. The trial date had been set before the foundation of the world and we knew that we were guilty only to be cast away into utter darkness forever. But God sent a witness to testify on our behalf. This witness was questioned, tried, and criticized as they attempted to find fault with his testimony. He was sent to take our place, and if they could find the same fault in him which they found in us, they could lock him up with the rest of us. No fault was found in him, and through his sinless and perfect testimony, he appeared to be the witness we desperately needed and was allowed to take our place. He legally carried out the command He had been given to lay His life down for the sins of humanity so that our verdict could stand as not guilty. His cross was the declaration of righteousness from heaven for us that we had longed for. He came to be for us and not against us. The light had come and we could see again. And oh, the beauty of His marvelous grace. We left the holding tank of death and followed our great and mighty King Jesus home. The life He lived qualified Him for the death He died. And the death He died qualified us for the life He lived. He will leave no believer behind. It is a legal work. He had a command and He came and obeyed the command. It was a command. Commands are given. Under the law, by law. God has always dealt with humanity on a law. Today He deals with His people even through a law. It's always been a law. It started with the first Adam. You're free to eat of all the trees in the garden. Just don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For in the day you eat of that tree, you shall surely die. To disobey God is death. And Adam disobeyed God and he died. And he didn't fall physically dead, but he did eventually lose his body, even physically fell to death. 
But he died spiritually and he ran from God and hid from God when he heard God looking for him. And that's what sin and death does. Death is very deceptive. Death will make you think you're running to God when you're actually running from God. Let me say that again. You're looking at me funny. Death, spiritual, those who are dead spiritually are running from God. Everybody who does not have their faith in the cross, they're not running to God, following God. They're running from Him through their own works. And we always need to remember that. Amen. Amen. Romans chapter 8 Verse 1, that's where we are tonight. The first few words says, there is therefore. So anytime you see the word therefore, you have to stop and back up to see what for. Because the Bible, again, wasn't written in chapter and verse. It was written in letter form. There was no chapters and verses. So when I see all of a sudden the Bible saying, there is therefore now no condemnation. I have to go back to chapter 7 all the way to the very end of chapter 7 to see why there is therefore now, why there is therefore now no condemnation to us who are in Christ. Watch this. When you go back to chapter 7, and that's where we covered Sunday morning mainly, he says in verse 24, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? This death of being separated from God. This experience of death where I want to uh, obey the law, but I can't. The law tells me to do these things and I can't do them. The law tells me not to do these things, but I keep doing them. That's death. That, that's experiencing death. Amen. And that, that was Paul's dilemma. He, Paul, as we talked about Sunday morning, Paul's dilemma when he said, I want to do that which is right, but I can't, and I don't want to do that which is wrong, but I can't stop doing it. He wasn't talking about going back and living as a drunk or a whoremonger. Or he never had lived that way. He was talking about, I want to obey the law, the things that the law tells me to do, but I can't. I can't live up to the law. Why? But the things the law tells me not to do, I keep doing it. I don't want to. The law's telling me not to. Why, why can't I stop doing it? Oh, wretched man that I am. And then he says in verse 25, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. There's your answer for everything. Everything. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, the new mind of Christ that gives you the right desires. Remember, it's God who's working both in you to will and to do of His good pleasure if you learn how to live for God, how the Holy Spirit works. The avenue through which He works, which is the legal work. And, and, and sometimes I believe there's a lot of people in even these new churches preaching the cross that they say that and we believe that, but we don't, we don't really fully believe that's the only avenue through which He works. And I've heard preachers really say that he, 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 it's not, you know, one, one side of our mouth will say it's the only avenue through which He works and with. Right there in the same setting, we'll turn around and say, but, 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 but He also does this, that, and the other. And it's one or the other. It's not both. Because it was a legal work and the Holy Spirit 
has a legal right through the legal work to save and to edify and to exhort and comfort and strengthen and lead us into all truth. But outside of that, He can't do that. He's not allowed to do that. Amen. Amen. Not everybody agrees with that. But there can't nobody prove it otherwise, except through some maybe maybe some experience. And we don't judge things by experience. We judge things according to the word. Amen. Amen, brother Curtis. I'm not going backwards. We're going forward. We're not going backward to try to justify things by an experience because the devil can fake you out with an experience. Amen. Folks that tell you, if you just come to our church, man, you'd feel something make you never want to go back to your church. They're telling the truth. But what they're feeling ain't coming because of the truth. Hmm. Hmm. I haven't been in all that. But he says, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh... I serve the law of sin. That should be very powerful for you to understand tonight that Paul's already said there's nothing good in my flesh. Not one thing good in my flesh. I can't serve God with my flesh. I can't serve God in the flesh. I can't, if I'm walking after the flesh, which we'll see here in just a minute, I can't serve God. I can't please God. And, and, and Galatians uh, tells us that we're at enmity with God. Or is it, or is it the 8th chapter of Romans, I believe, tells us if you're if you're after the flesh, you can't you can't please God after the flesh, because wherever God can't work, He's not pleased, and He only is pleased in the place He can work. So we see in Romans chapter eight verse one, there is therefore that's why He says, "Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, because of what Jesus did." There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And some of your Bibles, you know, not, not the Expositor Study Bible, I don't think, but a lot of the Bibles you can buy today will tell you that that last part of verse 1 in chapter 8 is not in the original writings. But it doesn't matter because it's there in my Bible. And later on in this scripture, in this same chapter, it's verified, so that's why they can leave it there. And that's why if it wasn't in the earliest writings, it's there and it's okay that it's there. Because it's confirmed in other parts of the Scripture. But verse 2 is what we're going to talk about for a few minutes tonight. Uh, now, 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 remember, the word for is because. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. That's you and me. God, if you're saved, you're born again. God's not declaring you guilty of sin any longer. He's not, con con he's not declaring you condemned. God, we were condemned when we showed up. When we were born. Actually, when we were conceived. We were conceived in iniquity. We were conceived in a state of condemnation. We were guilty when we got here. So, it, it, once, once you accept what God did to reconcile you to Him, which, which was the giving of His Son, Jesus, and what He did at Calvary, God declares you is not guilty. You're justified. You're just. And the just shall live by faith in Christ and what He did at Calvary. So He says, who walk <coughs> not after the flesh, but after the Spirit, because something. Because the law. Everybody say, because the law. Because the law. Get that. The law. <coughs> this is a law. 
Well, we've been delivered from the law. Yeah, we've been delivered from the law of sin and death, but only through the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. It's always a law with God. It's always a law. And Jesus, when the Bible talks about, and in two or three different places, the Bible says that God commanded His covenant to a thousand generations. That's because Jesus had been commanded to come and lay His life down and actually in the plan of God did it before the world ever began. The Lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. And we could talk about that for a few minutes. It might get us in trouble. But... That's a huge thing to think about when you start thinking about God. That God never has a new thought. We're going to tear this platform out here in a few weeks, and we're going to have to plan that. <laughs> We've already started planning. We're going to take all this, and we're going to move those chairs and put them somewhere else, and we're going to move all this down that wall so we can keep having church. And See, we have to, step by step, we have to make plans. We Well, uh, we're going out of town. We're going, well, where are we going to stop? Well, where do you think we might stop and have lunch? Because we, 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 we don't have a clue, so if we, if we were like God, we'd just jump in the car and go. <laughs> we need to even be no talking. See, God don't have new thoughts. God don't sit around and go, what are we going to do? Right now, as all eternity passed, and to, even that's a dumb statement, but, but uh, God has no beginning. So forever and ever and ever, God has known everything all at one time. Hmm. Nothing tomorrow will be new with God. He's known you as long as He's been God, and that's forever. Because everything has been within Him. Amen. Everything. Are you? I know it's deep, isn't it? That's deep because <laughs> we're little. We're like infinite humans, but He don't have new thoughts. Right now, He knows everything. Everything. A, a thousand light years from now, He's already there, waiting on whatever's going to be going on. But the, then the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4 that the works were finished from the foundation of the world, yet Jesus still had to show up and do the work. You still had to show up, be born, realize you're a sinner, accept Christ through faith in His work at Calvary to be born again. Those things still had to come to pass even though they were a done deal with God. Do you get it? I hope this is helping you. That the plan of God is the plan of God and it's already a done deal. But things still have to happen to give you an opportunity to be a part of what God is doing. Y'all looking at me crazy tonight. I know I'm not doing too good. God's a big God and He don't have new thoughts. Amen. If He has new thoughts, that means yesterday there was something He didn't know. Come on now. That's a big God, isn't it? Amen. And yet He loves you and brought you into His plan. Thank you, Lord. That's powerful. For the law of the Spirit of life, everything's done by law. Everything. Because God is a decent God and He's a God who does everything in order. And I've said this over the past few weeks. I'll say it again tonight. There is a perfect equality in the Godhead. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Perfect in unity. They are one. Perfect. They are one in equality. But there is, because of us, because of the redemptive plan of God, His creation of man, and His redemptive plan toward us, there is not only an equality in the Godhead, but there's a subordination in the Godhead. 
Amen. Father sent the Son, and the Son came and did what He did by the Spirit. And told us when the Spirit, and Jesus, what Jesus tells us, I don't do anything I don't hear my Father doing, see my Father doing. I don't say anything I hadn't heard my Father say. And He says when the Spirit of truth comes, He's not going to speak of His own authority in John chapter 16. He's only going to speak that which He hears. And now you and I have been sent by Jesus into this dark world to hear what He's telling the Spirit to tell us. There's an order in that. And everything with God is legal. It's just the way He did it. He doesn't just nonchalantly do things. He knows every day you will ever live, everything that will ever happen to you, He already knows what's going to happen. Well, why do I need to serve Him then? Because you don't know. Amen. And everything is by choice, not mandated by God. He gave you a life and He gave you a choice to choose Him because He's a loving God. But everything has to be done according to laws. And as we heard Brother Larson so well teach that when God gave Israel the law, He was just giving them the initial uh, law so they could start learning, as He put it, to take baby steps, to learn how to maneuver and, and function among each other toward God, what God expected, and how to live toward each other. And then... And, 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 but it was law. It was law. Uh, and in those days, people were stoned when they committed some, uh, uh, when they disobeyed some laws. And we think, oh, I'm glad I live now. I got news for you. We're more responsible under grace than they ever were under law because to whom much is given, much is required. And we've got, so, well, on one side of the coin, we boast, man, we've got so much more than the old covenant saints had. But at the same time, we better realize there's a lot more required of us than was required of them. Mm-hmm. Amen, Brother Curtis! <laughs> They're asleep tonight. I should have brought milkshakes for everybody. Amen. Y'all alright? Yeah. For the law of the Spirit, of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. And one thing I want to point out tonight in this second verse, this is the only avenue of freedom. The only avenue of experiencing any freedom God offers is through this law. And it is law. It's not law that mandates you do anything other than believe in Christ. It's not law that mandates you work your way for something. It's a law that mandates you trust in that the work has already been done for you. That's what this law is. It's the law of the Spirit. The Spirit is the Spirit of life. This is the avenue of the law of the Spirit of life. Where is it located? Where does He work? In Christ Jesus. Not outside of Christ Jesus. That's why you heard me say through the years, and some of you still tilt your head sideways when I say it, the only place to believe in God is in Christ. The only legitimate place to believe that God, for your faith to be legitimate with God, is when it's in Christ. Outside, believing, in, believing outside of the in Christ place is not legitimate with God. Hmm. You can't just say, well, I just believe the Bible. No, it's your faith in Christ. Right. 
Because we've moved it from there. I have over the years. We, we got involved in all sorts of fake things and things that weren't real. What we might call today fake news. <laughs> it wasn't the real Gospel. It was fake stuff. It was God's Word used in a fake way. Just like folks today are trying to do in our government with the Constitution. They're trying to use it in a fake way. A way that it wasn't intended to, 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 to be used. And we, I did that with God's Word for years. And it's being done 99% of the time by, by, by the church today, everywhere. Because they don't understand this. And they'll just write this off as a swagger thing or, or, oh, that's just the way you see it. But the Bible says right here, for the law of the Spirit, that means the Spirit works according to a law, and it is the Spirit of life, and it's found in Christ Jesus. The first time you believe the gospel, the first time you believe the gospel, you were immersed into Christ simply by believing the gospel. Mm. Now I will share something with you. That's the only place God expects you to be. Is believing in what Christ did at Calvary. Yes, we've got a whole Bible. We can we can learn. We can learn to walk in truth. But when God finally gets you back to that narrow path, that old path, then what He's going to do in your life, then then He's going to he use by His Spirit teaching you, guiding you into all truth. He's going to use God's Word to become literally a lamp to your feet and a light to your path to confirm to you that you are on the right path every day of your life. And when we get off track like the church in Ephesus did, you read about in Revelation chapter 2, and the Lord told, listen what the Lord told them through John. I see your works. I see that your patience is good. I see that you've called those that were trying to be apostles. You've proven they're not apostles. You're doing the right things. He said, but I got somewhat against you. He said, you've, you, you've lost your first love. You've moved away from your first love. And unless you repent and return, I'll take your lampstand from you. I'll take your light away from you. Now listen to this. We can be doing all the right things that has an outer appearance. Man, we're rebuking that. We're using the message of the cross to rebuke all that and rebuke all that. And but, but there's something missing. Our faith is really not where we think it is because if it were, if it was, this love that we have, should have, would be rejoicing in the truth. Love rejoices in the truth. 1 Corinthians 13.6 uh, Let me say it again. 1 Corinthians 13.6 Love rejoices in the truth. Hallelujah. Well, those folk in Ephesus weren't rejoicing. It wasn't a love that was rejoicing in the truth. If it was, they wouldn't have been rebuked. Mm. Amen. Amen. They had moved away from the place the Spirit of God works. How many of you know you can go do, you can go call people out in the flesh? Amen. You can go tell them y'all are wrong, y'all are wrong. <laughs> and you can tell them why they're wrong. But God still has aught with you. Because it's being done from a place where it's not first love. First love means where you realize God loved you first and what He did to prove it to you and you placed your faith in that and He shed His love abroad in your heart. That right there is where love rejoices in the truth. 
If it's not a love rejoicing in the truth, it's a love that's going to get its light taken away. Mm. Read it. Write it down. Revelation 2, 4 through 5. Andrew got me stirred up this morning. <laughs> Asked me some questions about Revelation chapter 2. Well, it sent me over there to look up. I like it when people ask me questions. Brother Jimmy does that sometimes. You, if you ever got questions, don't hold them back because I love them. It makes me dig. And when I go to digging, <laughs> God puts gold on the shovel. Hallelujah. <clears throat> this church is doing the right things. God says you're doing that's right. It's right. It's right. What you're doing is right. But you've lost your first love. That means, that means the love they had was not rejoicing in the truth. Well, they were pointing out error, but they weren't being led by the Spirit to do it. Everybody okay? For the law of the Spirit of life. It's a law. If you don't have Brother Swagger's chapter, uh, uh, Romans commentary, chapter 8, need to get it, order it tonight, you'll be happy. Because it explains, it expounds on this. And we've done it for 15 years from this pulpit. And everywhere we've gone and preached, we've expounded pretty much on this particular verse, although we didn't use it. Psalms 33, 4 is all a part of this too. For the word of the Lord is right and all God's works are done in truth. Here it is right here again in Romans 8, 2. Think about that. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. That, you know what that means? In His death. Because only through His death were we made free from the law of sin and death. Verse 3 says this, For what the law, because what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh. Remember, there's nothing good in my flesh. Nothing good. There's not one ounce of anything in me that can obey the law. I can't obey the law. Well, I wrote this down a couple days ago. The curse of the law. What's, everybody know what the curse of the law is? What's the result of the law? What's the curse of the law? Death. Death. We're born dead. Dead in sin. Separated from God. Can't get to God except through the one Son He sent. Dead in sins. The curse of the law is death. Death because we cannot obey it. But watch this. Death when we try to obey it. Hmm. Death because we cannot obey it and death when we're trying to obey it. Hmm. Because you can't obey the law, Christ had to come and lay His life down for us and He kept the whole law. I know I've heard this a thousand times, but you hadn't heard it, you needed to hear it a thousand more. Because what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, my flesh. I messed the law up. What's nothing wrong with the law? The Bible says it's just good and holy. I'm the one because there's nothing good in my flesh. I messed the law up. And that which was ordained to life, I found, as Paul did, to be unto death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through my flesh... God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemns sin in the flesh. That's powerful. 
Jesus came and condemned that which had us condemned. He condemned that which had us condemned. I said He condemned in His flesh that which had us condemned. Sin. Hallelujah. Amen. Why? Verse 4 tells us that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Now verse 4 is very important because it tells us that which the law couldn't do, that God requires. You have to fulfill the law, the righteousness of the law, to go to heaven. you gotta, you got to fulfill, you have to fulfill the righteousness of the law to get into heaven. And you can't nobody do it. Only Jesus did it. And right here is where you see that He did it through His flesh. That means through laying His life down. You need to study Romans chapter 8. You need to understand it to the point you can share it with other people. Because He says here that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. See, and, and, and we've learned here something. I have. You all theologians probably already knew it all these years, but uh, I've learned a couple things over the last few months that has helped me tremendously. One of them is Romans 8 and 9, if you'll just go down to verse 9. And he tells us that we're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. If you're born again, you're in the Spirit. That helps me with what Jesus told the woman at the well. God's looking for true worshipers. And they that worship God must worship God in spirit. means they've got to be born again. Can't worship God unless you're born again. Must worship Him in spirit. Got to be born again. Got to have the Spirit of God to be able to worship God. And truth. Truth is Jesus and what He did at Calvary. Faith outside of that puts me in a place where I'm now in a danger of my light being put out, taken away. Revelation 2, 4 through 6. Because if it's not a love that's rejoicing in the truth, then what kind of love is it? Oh, it might be love. But it's not love that rejoices in the truth. I'm back to that again. I can't get away from it. But I've learned that and I've also learned... Uh, uh, What's the other thing? Help me, Jerry. <laughs> in the Spirit and... I can't remember. It'll come to me in a minute. Anyway, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. Which part of us? Who is us? Not those who walk after the flesh, but after the Spirit. That The actual declaration of righteousness took place in your life when you were born again when you trusted in what Christ did to take your sins and He gave you His righteousness and you were declared righteous. But only as we walk according to this law is this righteousness fulfilled in us. That's why we're given this. If it just worked automatically, we wouldn't need this in the Bible, would we? We wouldn't need to be told there's a law of the Spirit of life, but we are told this. Why? So that we'll know to stay on this straight and narrow. We'll know so we'll fight the good fight of faith to never move our faith from Jesus and what He did at Calvary. Amen. And this is a, this is a narrow path. 
This is a, I don't know if I said anything about it Sunday morning, but this is a narrow path that we're on. This is a lonely road that we're on. Most people are going to start going back into the places from which they came. Because if you reject this teaching that's out about the law of the Spirit, that you, that, that this, this, this message of the cross, if you reject that, your light's going to be removed. Especially these preachers who have heard it and heard it and heard it and, 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 and they've heard it and heard it and heard it and they still reject it. Maybe one day some of them somewhere will accept it. But I'm still hearing preachers, the big leaders of these denominations, and all they're interested in is having a Pentecostal, getting back to our Pentecostal awakening, Pentecostal this, Pentecostal that. Listen, that, they're never going to get that. They're never going to get it because the life they've got is going to be taken unless they learn what it means to get back to their first love and they can't get back there until they learn how the Holy Spirit works. You ain't going to get back there unless you learn how the Holy Spirit works. Amen. Not going to do it. Big leaders of these denominations, man, have so many people deceived the enemy. Remember what we talked about Sunday morning? If your faith is not in the cross, you're trying to transform yourself. And that's the devil's ministry. They're self-transformation, folk, not us. We're transformed by the Spirit of God when we learn how the Spirit of God transforms and does what He does. Amen. Jesus talked about that. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. Why does it have to be true? Because God only works in truth. Amen. Amen. Aren't you glad you know that? Still hadn't thought of that other thing I forgot a while ago. Hmm. Everybody alright? Let's look at Romans chapter 3 verse 30. Bible study tonight. Romans chapter 3 verse 30 says, Seeing it is one God which shall justify the circumcision by faith and the uncircumcision through faith, do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid we establish the law. We establish the law. If we walk after the Spirit, Jesus fulfilled the law. We establish the law. The law is not thrown out and no good, but this is the law of the Spirit of life. This is the avenue God works today. It's the only avenue. God's not going to be found working in nothing else. When we make that up, then we've believed a lie. Because it's when we change the truth of God into a lie that we're carried off by the lies. Amen? Amen. So, we establish the law. The law is not void, but established through faith in Christ and Him crucified. And now, now let's real quickly turn over to Hebrews chapter 10, verses 6 through 10. Hebrews 10, verses 6 through 10. The Bible says, In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin you have had no pleasure. Now think about that. All those years of sacrifices and burnt offerings, God had no pleasure. Mm. See, I, I didn't know that until I started learning the message of the cross. I didn't know that. I thought God was pleased. The whole old covenant with all those animals that were being sacrificed says here He was not. Mm. He's only pleased by what? Sacrifice. It's impossible to please Him without 
faith. The only thing God was ever pleased with in the Old Covenant was folk who had faith in a coming Redeemer. God was never pleased with the blood of animals. He was only pleased when there was faith in that promised Redeemer coming. Yes, they had to sacrifice animals to prove their faith was right. And some of their faith wasn't right either. They just started going through the motions and doing it. Kind of like going to church for the for the wrong reason. You just go through the motions. You know, the Old Testament talks about Israel going in the same day to burn their babies, to, to give their babies to the fire to other gods. We can't imagine that, can we? They, 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 would put, they would give their infant kids, and maybe older, to the, to the God of this and the God of that for the sake of maybe having good crops or better crops or whatever they were hoping for. Because Jehovah wasn't quite doing what they wanted Him to do. When they wanted Him to do it. So they'd go even to the point of giving their babies. That's something, isn't it? And the same day, they would go back to the temple of God and claim they were worshiping God in the temple. That's what the Bible says. You think God was pleased in that? You think God okayed what they were doing, killing their kids and all the sin they were living in just because they came to the temple and to worship? No. Not hardly. Verse 7, Hebrews 10. Then said I, lo, I come. This is prophetic of Jesus speaking. I come in the volume of the book it is written of me. That's precious to me because the volume of the book doesn't mean really the loudness, although it could mean that, but it means the volume. All the book. Jesus said the Scriptures are about Him. The volume of the book. The magnitude of the book is about me. Watch this. Then said I, lo, I come in the volume of the book, it is written of me to do your will, O God. Above, when he said sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offering for sin, you would not, neither had pleasure therein, which are offered. Why? Here it comes. Why he had no pleasure in it? Because they were offered by the law. I'm too loud now, am I alright? They were offered by the law. Remember, those people who lived under the law, they, the believers who had their faith in a Redeemer, they still couldn't go to heaven. They could only go to paradise. Because Jesus had not come yet. So they had been shut up, the Bible says, unto the faith. Shut up, put away, be inhaled because God was never pleased with the blood of bulls and goats. No animals. But He was pleased for somebody to come and do His will. And He says in verse 9, Then said He, Lo, I come to do your will. See, He's done said that twice. I come to do your will. See, that's what the first Adam didn't do and the last Adam did do for you and I so we could be considered people now who can do the will of God by the Spirit of God because Jesus, the Son of God, did for us at Calvary what He did. Then said He, Lo, I come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first. That's the old covenant. He takes it away. He takes it out of the way that He may establish the second by which 
will, we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Once, it doesn't say once and for all, it says once for all. Sometimes we, we, we read that wrong. It don't mean once and for all, although that's right. But He did it once for all. Just one man who did the will of God, and when He says, I came to do your will, He didn't mean I did best I could. No, He did the perfect will of God without sin ever. He had no sin. He never had a sinful thought. We need to hear that more often today. Our Lord walked on this earth for 33 and a half years, never had a sinful thought, a sinful word, or a sinful deed. He was perfect. Perfect. We are so far into sin and, and, and depraved and wicked and evil that we really in its fullness can't even imagine that happening. How could he live? How could he see all that and not be? Because he trusted God. Completely. He did the will of God. We're told. Let me see. Where is this at? In the book of Acts, chapter 13, verse 22, the Bible says in Acts 13 and 22, and when he had removed him, he talking about King Saul in the Old Covenant, he raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. Now what do you think about that? Hallelujah. David fulfilled all the will of God that God called him to fulfill. He was not without sin. He couldn't even build the temple because he had so much blood on his hands. But he did all of God's will for him to do. And God's will for David was that he do what he told him to do because everything he told him to do and everything he did would reflect the Redeemer that's coming one day. Every bit of it. Him as the shepherd over the sheep. Him as the giant slayer. Him as the king over all of Israel that Jesus will come and be the king over all the world. Everything that David did that was the will of God and the Bible says he did all the will of God that God called him to but it ain't the same thing as Jesus doing the will of God. Jesus did the will of God completely without sin. Flawless. Are you okay with that? Amen. So, as I close this message out tonight, I'll just say this. The cross is a legal, legal work. God can only save through that work. The Holy Spirit can only lead us, guide us into all truth because our faith is in that, that legal work. It is, and let me say it again, it is a narrow path. His name is Jesus. When He said the way is narrow, He was talking about Himself and what He would do for our salvation. It's a narrow way. 
It's not necessarily, uh, although it is sort of also the same path we walk on, it is a narrow path. It's, it's a legal way. It's, it's God has given us this. He's not going to change it because we're somebody special. He gave us this law because He loves us. Amen. This is a narrow way. I've seen people preach it. I've seen them preach it hard. I've seen them preach it for years to go back into something false. I've seen folk preach it and preach it, preach it like it ought to be preached to start dabbling back in the denominational realm. If God brought you out of anything, He ain't sending you back in it. Amen. We need to hear that. If God brought you out of anything, He's not sending you back in it unless He's sending you back in it with this message. But He's not sending us back to start dabbling to have relationships and, and fellowship with those who are refusing to come to this truth. The legality of the cross. It's a legal work. God's not going to do anything just because you cry out to Him. He's not going to save somebody just because they're hurting and their life is pitiful. He Listen, He works within the perimeters of the cross. Amen. When we, when we begin to accept that and, 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 and just understand that, then we will become more determined to know nothing other than this which God works in. No matter who says what, no matter what mama says, wife or husband says, no matter what my friends say, no matter what these I've been in ministry with for years say, I'm going to cling to that nail-scarred hand. I'm going to just begin, I'm going to continue to preach this message, to believe this message. I just praise God all the day. And when I find myself not praising God or having a hard time to praise God, I just think about the wonders of Calvary. And the Spirit of God begins to stir me up. Hallelujah. I said the Spirit of God begins to stir me up, reminding me what Jesus did for me because He loves me. That's all i got to do is look to Calvary to overcome any type of weakness or fainting. And if I don't know what that means, maybe I need to get saved and I'll find out. Amen. I rejoice all day. When I don't feel like it, I just sit there and praise God anyhow. And in days when I really don't like it, it's kind of like standing here sometimes in praise and worship. And you'll just be standing there and your mind will drift off out in left field somewhere. And Angel will say, can we just lift our hand? I'm like, oh yeah, praise God. <laughs> you know what I mean? And sometimes you don't feel like it, but we don't live by what we feel. We live by faith. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm going to tell you something. we got folk in our church that can't praise God because they don't know the truth. we got folk in our church that can't, they can't rejoice because they don't know the truth. They've heard it, but they've not accepted it in their hearts. Well, let me tell you something. Get back to this thing I'm on fire about. Love rejoices in the truth. And if the love we claim we have can't rejoice in the truth, it's a love that's going to cause our light to be put out. But whoever comes back to faith in the cross, that love's going to become real again, tangible again. That's why everybody God's brought back to the faith in the cross alone, this narrow way, this legal way, they all say this, I feel like I'm born again all over again. Why? Because that hope comes alive. That love that was moved inside of you, God Himself, comes alive. It's a love that's alive. It ain't just some words, I love you. No, it's a real, real tangible thing. It's God because He's love. Love rejoices in the truth. 
And if I can't rejoice in the truth, i got a love that's about to cause my life to go out eventually. And that's a promise from the Lord. Repent and come back to your first love. Come back to your fir- the place where you first realized I loved you. You accepted that love and what I did for you to prove it by faith in my son at Calvary. Boom, that was it. That's your first. How many of you know your first works and your, your first love and your first works happened when you got born again? The first love is God's love for you. You accepted it. And loving Him back because of what He did in His Son for you. The first works mentioned in Revelation are the first works the Holy Spirit began in you. Because that's all He's going to honor anyway. First love, first works. It's all because of what happened to you in your born again experience. And if God is telling you you're doing everything right, but you've lost your first love, you've walked away from your first love, you better repent and get back to it. And the only place love can rejoice is in its first love. It's in the truth. It's in the truth. Love rejoices in the truth. That's powerful to me. Love rejoices in the truth. It don't sit around and watch everybody else rejoicing. Love in you rejoices in the truth. Amen. You're just being a little critical tonight. No, I'm just being a little biblical tonight. Love is going to rejoice if it finds the truth. But if it ain't found the truth, it ain't going to rejoice. It ain't going to rejoice. You know, folk, folk just stand around watching.